0: And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. So glad we have this time together. I'm looking forward to it as I always do. And I'm going to have a wonderful show plan for you today. Dr. Glenn Pickering is going to be with me a good part of the day, and I'm also be jo- uh, joined by George Fraser from Real Recovery. So we're going to have a great opportunity today. We're going to talk about the light of the world. Jesus uh, spoke to his people and said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness." That will have the light of life. I I see darkness all around me and it's um, seems to be more evident than ever lately. And if you are uh, a witness to God's light every day you are you are doing what God wants you to be doing, sharing his uh hope with others, being a witness and a light to the world. That's all outstanding. Matthew 5:14 says be the light. So, let's um let's uh, start with uh, talking about the light and how important it is to be in the light. My guest uh, is Dr. Glenn Pickering. He is uh, both a, a engineer and a psychologist and a pastor. He kind of is a trifecta of interesting uh, professions. So whenever his wisdom comes into the show, I always have to stop and think and listen and sometimes listen a second time. But he's here with me today. Glenn, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So light of the world. We're witnesses to God's light, aren't we?
1: I think that's so true. We're supposed to be the light, which is, that's a pretty challenging sentence. You ought yeah. to be the light. Ooh.
0: No kidding. But it uh, should be a joy. should be something we get up every day and say, I get to go do this. Oh,
1: gosh, yes, um, absolutely. And I think it is always true that the people in our life have struggled just like we do. But this is a time when it just seems to me like every one of those struggles, all the sort of normal struggles are amplified. So yes, parenting is hard, but if your kids have, are home for months because now there's not school except you're supposed to be the teacher of them at home, what it means to be a parent just got amplified. Financial struggles, part of everyday life, mm-hmm. except if one of you just lost your job or got furloughed, that's amplified.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe there's a little tension in the marriage like so many relationships, but now you're home together all the time under tough circumstances. Those struggles get amplified. It's like we just need to understand it is always true that the people around us are struggling with whatever they're struggling with. But those struggles are probably amplified right now. They're very likely to be even more intense than usual. So what we're seeing is not so much problems that we don't usually see in terms of relationships. We're just seeing more intense versions of them, if that makes any sense. And and I think it behooves us to understand the struggles that the people around us are probably having mm-hmm. and how much they just really need for us to be for them, the light of hope.
0: You've said that so well, Glenn. I get text messages from listeners all the time, and what they share with me is strikingly uh, difficult in terms of what's on their plate. Right. And I I start to think, if this is one person writing in, this must represent a big number of people. Oh, for
1: sure. And even, like, some people get lonely, of course, but now... Many of those people are working at home by themselves, on the computer, not seeing even any of the people at work that they usually see, maybe being quarantined even from their own extended family. And again, so just like, yeah, loneliness is an everyday problem, but we're seeing such an amplified version of that these days. It's just really striking and painful.
0: Yeah. And I so appreciate you just recognizing that. And and there's people listening going, mm, okay, he just talked about me. Yeah. And that's a, it's a beautiful place to start because people don't feel like their voice is being heard, uh, who's listening, who's understanding, right? right?
1: right. Who even gets what's happening to me?
0: Uh, Exactly. And so there's a a listener that already jumped in with a question and I want to let you know, uh, you can type uh, any question to 877-933-2484. That's a text, Um, 877-933-2484. Oh, we have Bryce in the studio as well. He's taking calls so if you want to talk to Bryce, you can just call and you can get on the program live. You can ask Glenn yourself the question, or you can, you can send a text. Again, the number 877-933-2484. So the question, Glenn, is yeah. can you uh, speak to maintaining a balance between the light of hope and walking away from controlling people? And this listener said, I've, yeah. I've tried to be the family glue. Right. In a messy debacle that involves my elderly parents and a very controlling brother and his wife. Mm-hmm. My repeated attempts to encourage reconciliation have been met with pharisaical justifications. I'm a peacemaker and a positive person, but emotionally, I could no longer afford to be the pickle in the middle. I feel my family is beyond hope because of pure deception and self-righteous pride. I've owned my part and I've detached myself from the situation and unfortunately had to walk away. That's
1: powerful, and boy, my heart goes out to everybody in that situation. I'm going to come back to that question just a little later sure. in the show if that's okay, because first I want to talk a little bit about what looking like the light of hope looks like, and then we can contrast that between trying to fix things that are not mine to fix. Awesome. If that makes any yeah. sense. Okay, cool. So, go ahead. Okay, so what I'm thinking is, I just want to talk a little bit about the mistakes we're likely to make when, um, when we're trying to be the light of hope. So, I want to talk about those two mistakes first, and then I want to talk about what we can do instead. That actually is helpful, if that makes sense to you. That'd be great. Okay, cool. Um, and we can stop and take calls or text anytime you want, because this is stuff I love to talk about. So, uh, feel free to interrupt awesome. me at any point.
0: Yeah. Okay, so... Do you hear that, um, listeners? Feel free to interrupt I mean, Glenn at any time. That's you right. You can call or text anytime. We welcome the interruptions. 877-933-2484.
1: So... Um, I said there's one of two mistakes we're very likely to make when we really are trying to be the light of hope, when we really are trying to be helpful to people. And the first one is to play that game I call team tag. You know, I talk a lot about the game of tag where the whole goal is to not be it and we end up making other people it instead, which is always hurtful to our relationship. Well, the first thing oftentimes people try and do when they're trying to be supportive is, let's say, I I just mentioned one of the problems we talked about at the beginning, that money is really hard right now because one of us got furloughed or handling the parenting responsibilities are so much more difficult now the kids had school at home now they're at off school except none of their summer programs are there so etc cetera, etc cetera. or the marriage is way harder because we're together all the time and the kids are having the struggles and my marriage is struggling and it's so easy to just jump on that and say yeah I know what you mean and then me mean you are gonna gonna both agree that that's terrible mm-hmm oh yeah, kids these days, or the schools, or the finances are awful, or the culture, or the president, or the who knows what. You know, it's yeah. like somebody's got to be the bad one. And I think, um, and it's important to understand, that kind of response, where me and you agree that somebody else is bad, or we play team tag, like I said, is not supportive in any way. In fact, it actually has the opposite effect. So if somebody at my work says, "Ah, oh, those people in our other departments just drive me crazy, and I'm like, yeah, they always make me mad, too. They never bring me the stuff when I say I need it. Team tag. So, yeah, I'm playing team tag. Me mm-hmm. and you now both agree that they're bad people. Okay. <laughs> except how I brought the light of hope into their life? Yeah. So I get that's a knee-jerk response. I get we're very likely to go there. And please understand, we've all been there. We've all done it. So don't judge yourself if you have, because you probably have. But it's important to know that that response, where we think we're sort of being helpful or empathetic, really it's not... We are not being the light of hope. In fact, we just make them feel like, oh, my gosh, it really is hopeless. It really is terrible. It really is awful. You know what I mean? It, it, and I just think this is not bringing hope to anybody. So we need to be careful about playing that game I call team tag where we just agree that's terrible. Mm-hmm. That person's terrible. That situation is terrible because it's just not helpful.
0: Although it might be oddly comforting to the two who are in right. agreement.
1: Right. Now, here's the thing. I can start there. And we'll get to this in just a second, I promise. I can start there. Yes, that is hard see, if I stop there, I haven't been helpful to them because I just leave them hopeless. Like, yep, that's awful. Yep, that's how it is. That's just terrible these days. And that's not being the light of hope. If I want to be the light of hope, I have to be willing to take one step past that and say, so, for example, we've all been in a similar place. Like, Bill, let's say, because we all have very similar struggles. So let's say, Bill, somebody comes to you and says, you know, my spouse said something to me the other day. And it left me so confused, I didn't know what to do. Do you know how that feels? Well, you can say, well, no, I don't know how it feels if my spouse makes me confused. But has there ever been a time in a relationship, somebody said something to me, and I thought, what? Or we had some kind of odd argument, and I didn't get why it went so bad, and I left thinking, what what just happened there? So no matter what they say, I promise you, I have had a similar struggle. Maybe not the same one. But a very similar one that left me feeling confused or upset or sad or whatever it is they're struggling with. So if somebody said, Glenn, there's this really hard thing in my life with my wife, my kids, my money, who knows what. I'm going to try and share a brief example from my life just to show that I get it. Yeah, we got furloughed too. It's been really hard. Yep, dealing with kids like that, I, it's uh, sometimes more than I know what to do with. Yes, it really does put a strain on our relationships when we have to be together all the time in such such tough circumstances. That really is hard. So I want to say one sentence that says I get it. But if I stop there, I'm not helpful. So then after I've listened, so they can tell I get it, and I share a brief example without taking over the conversation to show I understand, then I need to ask a question. So what's your first step? How do you think you can break out of that from your end? How can I help you? What can we do together to make a difference? Something that asks a question, because that question is actually the light of hope. Because if I say, well, what's your first step? How can I help? How can I support you? What do you need from me? How can we do that together? See, I'm suggesting that, yes, this hard time that we're in is not the end of the story. And I need to always be coming, so I need to understand, yep, but then I need to ask that challenging question, so what are you going to do? Now, that's not always easy, and it's not always going to make me friends or popular. (laughs) But it does sound like the mature approach. See, that's what I think, too. It's what what I want to do if I actually want to be helpful to somebody, Mm -hmm. because if I just think, oh, you're right, that's terrible. I'm not the light of hope. I'm actually more darkness.
0: So... But in a way, you you also are doing something for your friend or your workmate that in the longer run would be possibly very helpful. Right. In the short run, you're trying to join in and comfort them. Oh, I hate that. I hate when that happens too. Right. Huh. Uh, that's just like, you know, him to do that or her to do that. Right. And, right. You know, so you can join forces just for right. a minute. Yep. And there's some comfort in just feeling that like somebody has heard you and right. understands you. But to step up and say... All right. I understand that's stressful. How can I help you? What can we do together
1: to make a difference? Huh? What's your first step? What's your first, I, I like that. You? What's your
0: first step? Yep. My first step is to take a break. All right. I like that. Yeah, it. and then when we come back, we'll do the second step. <laughs> All right. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can go to glennpickering.com to learn more about Glenn. And if you have questions regarding uh, what we're talking about, being the light of the world, uh, you can send a question. You can call and get on the program. We'd love to hear your voice. Or you can text, and I'll ask the question on your behalf. Uh, both are eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four.
2: Try to see my way. Do I have to keep on talking way? Soon be gone. We can work it
0: out. We can work it out. We're gonna to try to do it this. Our, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest, and we're talking about becoming a light of hope. Got a great question that just popped in, Glenn. Before we get back to our Could prepared material, you? all right, and that is um, when our own hope dwindles. How do we regain our hope so that we can be that light more clearly once again? In other words, people's tanks are low.
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. It's a really important question, and there's sort of a related question that also came in about and. You know, how do I get over thinking? I'm supposed to have the answers. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be different. Right. And I think it's really important to understand we're only helpful to people because we're not different. I am going to say that to you again. We're only helpful to people because we're not different. So, for example, let's say I talk about a story about how God has affected my life. Like maybe say a a non-Christian says, well, Glenn, why is God such a big deal to you? I'm going to tell them a story about how God really touched my life and made a difference. Now, see, if they see me as being totally different than them, that story is of no help to them. But if they see the truth that me and them are very similar, we have very similar struggles, we've been on a very similar path, then that story makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that we not think that we're supposed to be different or better. We're supposed to understand we we have exactly the same struggles as people, that's why the things we have to teach them are so incredibly helpful because we're all on the same journey. So it's really important to let go of anything somewhere in you that you think you're supposed to look better or be better or sort of have answers that everybody else doesn't have. One. Two. I think all the time about the great commandment. And well, it always makes me laugh to start with because they ask Jesus what's the greatest commandment and he gives them two. Because, <laughs> you know, I was thinking if you're the son of God, you can do whatever you want. Exactly. <laughs> Play by my rules. Sorry. Well, let me answer the question the way I want to answer that yeah. question. But what I love is, you know, he says, you know, the first is that, you know, love your God with a whole heart. And the second is like an unto it. In other words, it's very directly related to it. Love our neighbor as ourselves. So how do I love my neighbor as myself? Only if that second. First, I have to do whatever sort of fills me up with God's love and helps me feel connected to God. So that I actually have the energy that it takes to actually be that light to other people. So it's really important to understand this is the time that whatever it does help to fill me up prayer, listening to great Christian music, going to worship, whatever it is. Listening
0: to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Did I throw that in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. You didn't yeah. respond. No,
0: you're talking about things you can do, pray, oh, right, right. listen oh, to music. Oh, got
1: it. Now I understand. I love that. Thank listen you. To my show. I sometimes forget how funny you are.
0: Yeah, yeah thank you.
1: Becca always laughs at my jokes anyway, so that's always good.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> yes, and listen to the Bill Arnold Show in the afternoons from 4 to 6 p.m. That's right. what I hear Central, right here on Central Central radio, time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just important to think, okay, I literally won't be able to do this myself. And as soon as I think I can, in these stressful times, I'm going to reach the end of that real fast. And these are times that just really, really challenge each of us to do the things that keep us centered or strong or rooted in Christ. Mm -hmm. So that when we want to be a light to others, we actually are able to do that. And anybody who thinks they're able to deal with these troubled times... Kind of cut back on their prayer time, their Bible time, the music time, the worship time, and still be of help to others. They think, yeah, that's not gonna, mm-hmm. that's not gonna be helpful.
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna, talking on being the light of the world, and of course, when things come into our world that that take us down and and make it difficult for us to be that, uh, we have to look for hope and we have to go to prayer. And just like you said, Glenn, prayer,
1: right, and worship. What, Whatever it is that whatever lifts is. us up. Yeah, and it's yeah. a little different for each of us. I have people who I know really well who love to be outside, love to be in nature, walk in the woods, be by the creek. And I think, okay, if that's what helps you feel God's presence, that's what fills you up with the Spirit, wait. Yeah. Make sure you're doing that. I mean, yeah. whatever that is for you.
0: Let's take a question. The okay. caller would like to remain anonymous. Welcome to the show.
3: Oh, hello. Hi. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Are
0: you kidding? We love it.
3: I love, I, I love your show, Bill. It's good.
0: Thank you. So do oh. I.
3: My quick question: I don't want to take a lot of your time because I want to hear the answer. Is um, we got alcoholism and pot addiction in a family with with children, adult children, but now you know the parent sits and smokes pot and's got her kids smoking pot, and the dad's an alcoholic and he's getting worse and worse. And they all they left now, uh, but I mean. It is insane and dysfunctional, and I can't get them to listen to anything. I mean, I I know that I'm powerless over, you know, alcoholism and addiction, but the one doesn't think they're addicted. She's only been smoking since she was 16 years old, and now she's got her (laughs) grown adult children smoking pot with her. They all smoke pot in the house.
1: Well, thank goodness they're not addicted.
3: Yeah, and the alcoholic doesn't like the pot, so he kicked them all out because he don't want no pot in his house, right? But he drinks all the time, so I don't know. I just could run away from all of them. So, <laughs> so and I've I've been praying for a long time for God to intercede, but it's getting worse and worse. I just I'm ready to just dump my hands and run away and say I don't want nothing to do with any of you anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you all hit the road, gone. All right, now so. Let's come back to something you said, that you can't get them to do anything. And I think it's really true. So I talked already about the first mistake we make when we're likely to make when we try to be helpful. And that's we play team tag and we sort of just join up about how it's awful instead of helping them take the next step about what's a better step. I like
3: that. Yeah, I heard you say that about understanding. Yeah, that's
1: good. Now, the second mistake we're likely to make is, is right away after number one, before we even talk about our own struggle, they tell us what the problem is. And then we want to give them our answer to that problem. I can tell you the exact number of times that that works
3: <laughs> Zero. it's a round
1: number huh? right thank you so it's important to understand when I listen first and then I share a brief example and then I ask a question what's your first step how can I help you how can I support you it's really important to understand my job is not to give you my answer to your life my job is to help you think carefully through about what's your answer to that. So let's say I'm talking to the guy who is an alcoholic and doesn't want the marijuana in his house. I could say, hmm, I totally get it. I see why that's a problem. Totally get it. I, that would be very hard for me too. Hmm. And I get thrown out with sort of your knee-jerk answer. But is that really what you want? And they're like, to say, well, no, I want my family back. I'd rather be in my family but I can't stand the marijuana. And then I'm gonna say, okay, cool. well, if you're gonna try and talk to them in some constructive way about that, where would you start? What would your first step be? Who could help you with that? Who's a good resource? Where could we get help for that? what What's kind of your first step, in other words? And so I'm just gonna I want to really, really avoid telling them my answer, which is never helpful. And instead ask a, just, a better question. I, yeah. Just, yeah,
3: can I just say one quick thing and I don't I really appreciate you're giving me some really good information, but the Great. first thing they say with anything, they'll talk, and then they go, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't care. It's like, oh, my right. God. They and dump I, it all on me, and then they say they don't care, and they don't want uh, to talk about it anymore. I get that.
1: Now, and so if I'm you, and I'm really, really smart, which I'm thinking you are, I say, <laughs> I say, hmm.
3: Not so much. <laughs> no, no, no. I say,
1: huh, it sure sounded like you cared.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> now, And sometimes people really do just want to come and dump and have us agree that it's terrible and awful and play team day with them. And then and they think, great, that's all they really wanted. And I'm going to think, no, really. I don't want to be a part of that. So I'm just going to ask them. I'm still going to ask them a question. So I get you don't want me to boss you around, so I'm not going to. But I do wonder kind of what's – if you're going to make that better, if you wanted to make that better – where would you even start? Who could help you? Because, see, I don't want to be playing team tag, but I don't want somebody to suck me into their team tag game either. And if that's all we're doing, I'm not really interested.
3: Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, the do do, I really appreciate what you're saying, but I'm afraid somebody's going to get hurt here. I'm afraid the alcoholic's going to end up knocking his head on the floor and dying. I yep. mean, it's bad. I, it's that bad.
1: Right. Which is part of why it's so important to do what I ask you to do, and I'm not trying to be silly about it. See, I no. just know doing nothing is not going to be helpful, but giving them my answer is not going to be helpful either. And okay. I can't even say so that. Don't even
3: talk about. Don't even talk about treatment that they need right. treatment. Right, that. exactly. Leave to it just go. say,
1: "Hey, yeah. I'm afraid that sometime you're going to hurt yourself. You're all alone. You drink. I'm worried about you. What would okay. you want me to do if that happened?"
3: Yeah, you know what they say when I say that? I have said that. They go, okay. don't worry about it. Okay. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. That's what they say. And they say well, it
1: angrily, don't they? Right.
3: Yeah, really. And then
1: and then you gently say, but see, here's the problem. You're my kid, so I do worry about it. Oh, yeah. All right. I,
0: I insist you stay um, and listen to the second half hour because uh, George Fraser from Real Recovery is going to be joining. And it's going to be, uh, we're going to address this question in, in the uh, next half hour. All right
3: listen thank you so much you guys are great god bless you thank
0: you so much keep the questions coming rolling in whether by phone or by text 877-933-2484 my friend and co-host george p fraser from rural recovery now in its ninth year will be joining me uh, coming up in the next half hour and then we've got another full hour with dr glenn pickering uh after that so that's all ahead we'll be back in a minute back to the show. Real Recovery is a show that's been airing on Sundays now in its ninth year. And I and George Fraser are host of the show. And I always uh, love catching up with George. Um, I especially like doing it after his afternoon nap and right before his evening nap. And George and I uh, oftentimes are excellent at adding nothing to anyone's knowledge. But it's always nice to talk to him. George, welcome.
4: Hey, Billy. I hear Glenn is still there. I heard him laughing. So, <laughs> good, to, good to be on your program. I was listening to that. Yeah. Very interesting. Glenn is so good, and he helps my recovery a lot, always has. You and, often uh, quote Glenn. I do, and uh, sometimes I give him credit.
0: Yeah. Uh, there was something Glenn said that you repeat all the time, and that is just because you've made a mistake doesn't make you a bad person.
4: Yeah, it's st- 10, and it's continued to take our personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admit it. And most of us are, hesitate to do that because we, you know, think if we're wrong, we're bad. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a little kid, I know for me, I got sent to my room. And as an adult, I went to jail, kind of the same thing. <laughs> and, and really, if you're bad, you're gonna going to defend yourself or go into a shame mode, neither one of which is helpful. But if you're wrong, gosh, I can do something about it. I I can change my way. I can repent. I can turn around. And that has been real helpful for me. I I had been working that step for over 30 years when I heard that from him. And he made just a huge uh, difference for me. And I use that with the guys I work with. It frees us up.
0: Now, George, were you listening to the show prior to your segment coming on? Did you hear yeah, the, I was, the listener?
4: Yeah, I, I wanted to call in and talk to you, but I didn't. Yeah, George from Lakeville. Yeah. Uh, I did. It was great.
0: Well, you must have uh, some input then for our listener as well.
4: Well, what I was thinking, and it was interesting, I remember going on the other side of that, being an active user, talking to my father, and telling him not to worry about it, that was always my big thing. Hey, don't worry about it. And he told me later when I got sober, when he would hear that, he would really start to worry because he realized how uh, away from logic I was, how out of control I was. And I think for me, you can always pray for people. And I really believe, Billy, unless the Holy Spirit convicts them, not only that that's not the way to live, but there's a better way to go that nothing is gonna happen. An outside agency, the Holy Spirit has to convict them. But when somebody says, I don't care, a, a good follow-up is, well, I care about you. Right. And, and I want you to know that uh, I, I'm worried about you. Uh, I love you. And if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. And that can be disarming, but it's also like being in a court of law, something I know about. I'm not a lawyer, but I've been a client. <laughs> that you can you can say something and the judge will go, um, the jury disregard that. Well, they still heard it. Right. And I know for me and with guys I work with and Bill, you work with the same guys, they might not be able to hear it right away. But down the road, what they're left with is you care. So when they get to the point where they want to do something about it, you're a go-to person. That's a real tough position to be in because, as Glenn said, you really can't do anything about it until they decide to do something except take care of yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. George, isn't it a little offensive when you say to somebody, don't worry? Because you're obviously doing destructive behavior, and the other person is worried legitimately, and you're telling them not to worry. It's kind of offensive, isn't it?
4: Well, now I feel bad, because I just tell my dad that all the time. So thanks, Bill. Um, I I think (laughs) offensive has been a natural gift for me. It has. Uh, Thank you. Uh, That's a good point. It's a defensive reaction.
0: That's a better way of putting to, it, I'm sure. To
4: put, but but to put the ball back on you. And I could even say, hey, hey, thanks. I'm not worried about it. You shouldn't be either. But thanks for sharing. I still heard it, though. And I think the important thing is to let people know you care. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And pray. I don't think we talk enough about praying. That's something we can always do. I, I got to tell you, Billy, this just happened today. Uh, before the show, I was outside and I was talking to the greatest neighbor in the world, Rob. You know Rob. I know Rob. And his brother uh, was over. He goes to Westwood Church and we were talking. And he said, how you doing? And I said, you know, I'm doing great. He goes, you know, I was praying for you when I was sick. I got to tell you that made my whole day. Mm. And uh he's such a good guy. And I I didn't know that. That was 3 years almost 4 years ago. But what it did for me is I felt appreciated, cared for and and, and especially from God. And that's very powerful because when you're acting out, if you're an addiction, you know what you're doing isn't right. You just can't conceive of surviving without doing it. You've lost the power of choice. And, and if we have people in our life that are doing that, they know it's got them. They just don't see how, how they can possibly get out of it, be happy, be okay. They've lost hope. And when you're praying for them and you let them know that you love them, they're going to hear that maybe, maybe there's something. They might not act on it right away, but the people that are really caring about us and praying for us, it's powerful, Bill, because the creator of the universe hears our prayers.
0: When you describe that situation, George, and they've been using for decades and decades, and they don't think there's anything wrong with their using, yet they're, you know, they're, they're having difficulties in their life, only God can intervene and make a, a change and make a difference. And that comes through prayer.
4: Absolutely. What we have to remember is the enemy, the deceiver, the father of lies, is so powerful. Almost every addict I've ever worked with, including myself, the reason we do drugs is to make our life better, maybe to get away from pain, maybe to have more pleasure, maybe to socialize, maybe you have an anxiety issue and you can calm down, whatever. You do it to make your life better, not worse, and then it gets control of you and you're, you're, you're done. And we need to have the intervention of outside people and of God and the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's not going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, the enemy is very patient and will uh, help you to stay stuck and addicted to the uh, slavery of whatever addiction you're in, and then hopefully producing you a, a complete sense of, well, I'm, I'm, I've failed, I, I'm hopeless, and now I have despair. And that seems to be a, a pretty predictable cycle when it comes to drug and alcohol use.
4: Yeah, and everybody who starts using doesn't want to intend to go there, and that's where it goes. Use the word slavery, and I think of Bob Dylan. you got to serve somebody, and you're going to serve somebody in this life, Bill. It's either God or a counterfeit God, whether it's us, drugs, other people, money, power, whatever. Mm-hmm. And unless it's God, it's not going to work. And I think one of the great blessings for people in recovery like myself is at a very early age, in my 20s, it headed south quickly. And God intervened for me, and I have had, you know, almost 40 years of a positive existence. But what we're really playing for here isn't getting somebody sober. If they're not saved, it's appointed once to man to die and then the judgment, and we forget that. And if they are saved, they need to repent and get back, and we do that by lovingly confronting them, and don't go away. Be there. Keep praying for them, and if they won't see you, you can still pray for them. And those are the people we, we run to when it finally gets too much because we know they care. And we might we might when we're usable act like you're the last guy we want to see because at that point you are.
0: Well, George, it's so uh, spot on what you're saying because there's so many recovery groups that are trying to help people get off uh, substances or alcohol, which is wonderful because you're not going to really think clearly until you get 30 days apart from drugs or alcohol. But to do that and then to not engage in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are born again and transformed and Regenerated by the Holy Spirit, it's not that great to uh, you know have a forty-year sobriety medallion, but not know Jesus.
4: Oh, I I I can't think of anything sadder than that. People that have done the work, made some big changes, and then it's appointed once the man to die in the judgment. And Bill, I got to tell you, for a long time, I was a counselor in a secular treatment center, believer myself. And then ethically one day God convicted me, you're not sharing with them the whole truth. And if somebody gets sober and they don't get saved, that's awful. Mm-hmm. That is awful.
0: Mm-hmm. And George, you, you started uh pretty early in high school, didn't you?
4: Uh, you know, the word early in me don't connect you know, like <laughs> early unless it's an early tea time. Yeah, I started using when I was fifteen. Okay. Um and nowadays, unfortunately, it's a lot younger than that that we get a lot of people on our show and people we work with, Bill, right, that are using earlier than that.
0: Mm-hmm. And you, yet you won the punt, pass, and kick competition in ninth grade in Edina, which is significant. And then by 15, yeah. you're using drugs. What, what, what happened? What went wrong?
4: <laughs> well, I kind of laid back, Bill. You know, once you've achieved that greatness, I guess it went to my head. You peaked no, when you I- were nine. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, At least it happened. Okay, Arnold. (laughs) So, um, but what happened to me was I wanted to be a cool guy and I was a good athlete and I started drinking a little bit. And then the first time I got intoxicated, it's like, where has this been? Mm -hmm. So at least psychologically, I was addicted the first time I got high and I love getting high. Uh, it was better than my reality mm-hmm. and that's the enticement and then you've got to do more and harder drugs to get the same effect because you get tolerance and then you're gone and then it's your whole life's about getting it using it and recovering from it getting it using it recovering from it
0: mm mm-hmm. Um. I'm gonna take a little break George but when I come back I want to talk about relapse prevention I know that's your specialty And there's been so many people who have been locked down and and locked out of work and locked out of uh, uh, recovery groups. And the opportunity to relapse is really high. And I want you to talk about some of your uh, theories on how your recovery needs to be uh, way better than your using days. And I believe for you, in your case, it is. And you can share that hope with others. And also I've got a couple questions coming in for you as well. So George Fraser is my guest, a co-host of Real Recovery that airs uh, right here on the Faith Radio Network, Sundays at three at five and Saturdays at three. If you have never heard it before, I really encourage you to go to myfaithradio.com. You can go to the show page, Road Recovery, and I'll see all kinds of podcasts there. We'll take a short break and be right back. Fraser's my guest. George, what's that song?
4: You know, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, I, and, what's and the band? I no, I, I, I'm. Uh, it's something uh, so I don't know. Disappointed in you. I know it.
0: Grand Funk uh, Railroad. Glenn knew it.
4: Yep. Yeah. I knew. I knew it was Grand Funk. I just lied. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I, if I had a little more. What is it? I know the song. Yeah. Um, what is it? You got to tell me.
0: Uh, I think it's I'm your captain.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right,
0: uh, I want to talk about relapse prevention, and I also have a couple questions from listeners. But when uh, people have gone through a season of uh, using and they've recovered, uh, but now they're outside of their recovery rooms and they're not, they might be doing Zoom conferences and they've got a lot more alone time and isolation, and they might have new voices in their head reminding them of uh, ways to escape some of the uh, current misery they're in.
4: Yeah, I, I look on this. I always go back to athletics, Bill. Um, teammates and a sobriety support network of people that are, you know, walking the journey with you. You need to stay in contact with them. And, and we all have cell phones. We can We can talk. You've got to make an effort every day, especially now where you're not meeting in your accountability groups, maybe not at church, The social distancing, to get active and go, okay, tomorrow I'm going to call Bill. Uh, The next day I'll call Glenn. Uh, Today I talked to a couple guys that are on my team, Mm -hmm. and it it really helps me. You know, and you and I talk a lot because you're on my team, even though you're not in recovery, you're a Christian brother. And I think what it gets us away from is being Superman, like I'm okay, I can handle this. It's been hard for all of us, okay? And and one of the things about Glenn on step ten, how are you doing? I'm struggling. Everybody is, and I'm sick of wearing a mask and gloves, but I have a pre existing condition. This one happens to be physical. I got a couple mental ones still. <laughs> and and I I don't want to get this, but you know what? I'm getting tired of doing it, so I want to go to my magical thinking and go, It's gone. Well, it's not. Mm-hmm. And so when I can talk to people and they can go, yeah, that's tough. And But you know what? Keep doing what you're doing, and I feel better. Because otherwise I get alone, and I don't do well alone. And the enemy comes after us when we're alone. We're, when we're in a group, we're pretty good. Hmm.
0: Georgia, one thing I've never heard you say is, I've got this. You know, you've always mentioned to me, that you pray every day for the, the strength to remain sober, and you're you know, practically 30, what, 36, 37 years of sobriety?
4: Yeah, 36 in September. I pray for the power, strength, and desire to stay sober before I get out of bed. That's the only thing I've, uh, that's worked for me. You say, I never say that I've got this, but my behavior sure indicates that sometime. Well, I don't, and, I don't think I
0: see it, George, honestly with you.
4: You're you're very humble about
0: that. You're very humble about it. You're, you know. My
4: wife's listening. Okay. Shout out to Amy. I hope you heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, that's and that's the other thing. I've got a wife that's in recovery, and that helps. And and Bill, the thing is, the the deceiver will will make us think we do have this. You know, Jesus said, I think it was in. John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, we get we get out of our connection, Bill, nothing good is going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're supposed to live in community, and that's where we find uh, strength every day, right?
4: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my defects of character is I can get very arrogant and think I know more than I do. And when my behavior uh, indicates that, like— well, I don't need to pray today. I don't need to read my Bible. The relapse process has started. Yeah, that's so that's, smart. That's dangerous. No, it's dangerous. And you know what, Bill? That's my big mistake. Is I think I do better than I really do. I, I think I get what I call big manitis, and I want to be the guy and I think I got the answers, and everybody else is wrong but me. And that's an indicator to me, hey, George, you're doing it again. And one of the things about you know being married or having close friends or all of those is listen to the people in your life, especially when they say something that you don't like because that's what I really have to listen to. I was in marketing before, Bill, and every consumer complaint that we would get, there was a piece of truth to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can write a letter, well, thanks for buying, sorry, you're disappointed. But if you really look at what they say, they're giving you some great information. They bought your product. Uh, they want to keep doing it. What can you do to make it better? And if we do that in our personal lives, things work a lot better.
0: Yeah. I get uh, messages here at the station after shows and or in the middle of shows, and, you know, when there's some criticism that comes in, uh, I always respond with, thank you, because I, I hope this— I hope it'll make me a better host, I mean, because there's always truth in it. There's always some truth in it.
4: Yes, and the ego, uh, for me, is what would get me back to using, and it's what gets me into simple behaviors. I don't need to do that. I've got this. Uh, you know, most people couldn't do what I do. I'm so gifted, and we all want to feel that way, and that's the part of us kind of wanting to be God, because, mm-hmm. you know, when I sin, I choose to do what I want to do rather than what I know God wants me to do.
0: Mm -hmm. George, just got a nice uh, text from a listener saying, Amen to George's words that addicts need the intervention of outside people, and addicts also need their communities to be more aware. I am devastated over recently losing a very dear friend because there isn't and wasn't enough awareness or compassion for addicts. Thank you for your show. It educates and encourages me. Every church pastor should be required to tune into your program. I think we should make that a requirement.
4: I think we should make it a law bill. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's nice to hear. The thing is that every person that I've worked with who didn't get sober at a certain level, they wanted to get sober as much as the people who make it. And I don't know why some people get it and some don't. I truly believe that God has to take it from us. Um, And on my own device, I didn't want to get sober. And I was wrong. And what we have to faith is the assurance of things we hope for. And is believing stuff that we can't see, it's really hard when you're addicted to go, gosh, you mean I'm going to be happier not drinking and drugging, going to church and recovery meetings? And wow, that'll be fun. And then after you get sober, you go, I was wrong about the whole thing. Well, we're wrong about life until we find the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, God gives us the message, some of us that make it, hey, you didn't have anything to do with this, man. I did it all for you. Are you grateful? Yes, Lord, I am. I got to tell you, this has been a great ride. And Bill, every day, you know, listen to your show, um, you know, listen to other people on. Uh, that's a little ministry, too. And if somebody listens to our show, Real Recovery, and it helps, that's great.
0: Yeah. Another question here for you, George, what do you do when a loved one is wasting their life away through their addiction? Can I, uh, what are some true statements I can encourage them with while they're needing to make their own decision to break their addiction?
4: What did the person say, wasting whose life away?
0: I believe it's wasting their life. So this person is an outsider looking in saying this person who I love and care about is wasting their life. And what can I say, what are some true statements I can use to encourage them while they're while they're needing to make their own decision to stop using.
4: Okay, I got a good friend named David who does interventions. And one of the things he always tries to do is get the family people to share with the people how much they care about the person and how much their behavior has changed and how much they missed the person before and how much they care about them. And how much it hurts them to watch them destroy themselves, because even all the things they've done, that doesn't change how much they love them. And I, and I think, though, part of the power in that is God's love is unconditional. And and you hear that and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you put flesh on it and it's talking to you, you can receive that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always think, let them know how much you care let them know how worried you are about them, and let them know, what can I do to help you? Because even if they blow you off, they hurt it, and they know that you care about them, because for a lot of us, when we're using we don't we don't love ourselves.
0: Good point. Good point. Another uh, comment made by a listener, I've noticed in my ups and downs in faith and fighting sin, when I'm up, I think I will always be here. When I'm down, I think I'll always be here. But oh, in both that. and in between, I always need the Holy Spirit, God's um, the Holy Spirit, Christ's prayer, and the Father's grace.
4: Oh gosh, that's so good. And the other thing for me, I feel the same way you do, whoever sent that in. The other thing to me is I gotta remember that God's presence, his reality, isn't depending on what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling okay? That even when I can't feel God being there, and I don't have the peace of God that passes all understanding, He's still God, He's still in control, and and nothing's changed but me and my attitude. Mm-hmm. And man, is that helpful for me.
0: Yeah. George, it's been a, a thrill ride doing real recovery for these last nine years. I just love it. I, I look forward to that every week.
4: Bill, I do too. Thanks for... uh you know, all you do with your show, too, but it's sure fun doing that. Thanks for having me
0: on. Yeah, George Fraser has been my guest. Uh, He is the co-host of Real Recovery, and we do that show Sundays at 5 p.m. Central, and it uh, replays on Saturdays at 3. So um, coming up now in the next hour, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Glenn Pickering, and we're going to pick up where we left off with uh, being liked in the world. So Uh, Let me know what your questions are. Phone lines are back open so you can call and get on the program and just talk to Glenn yourself or you can send a text message. The number for both is 877-93-FAITH, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.